So you've been wanting to research companies, uh, but you don't necessarily have the time to do it yourself, or you don't know how to do it yourself. Um, in this series of videos, I'm going to be going step by step through my entire process from beginning to end on how I find companies, what I look for when I do my initial research on the companies. If they pass my initial research, how do I value and evaluate them after reading their financial statement? I will go step by step, including valuations when we get to that point in how to evaluate companies. My name is Jason Rivera and welcome to Value Investing Journey Case Studies. Hey everybody, Jason here. Now that I'm back and looking at companies again, I've gotten a couple of requests from people to look at some investments. Today, we're looking at Arminino Foods. AMNF is the ticker. This request is brought to you by Keith L. Keith L., thank you for recommending this uh, case study. So, what we're going to look at here, first off, I guess I should probably say I've researched this company several times before. Um... Several times years ago, I looked at this company. It came up on my, uh, I think it was the OTC Markets list um, that I was looking at. And so I evaluated a couple times then. Then I wrote about it on the blog uh, a couple years ago, I think, two, three years ago. Um, so I'm very familiar with what this company does. This won't matter on this preliminary analysis that we're doing. Um, but I am, I do, I am familiar with this company, which in many cases, or actually almost all cases, I'm not when we go through their preliminary analysis, but again, it won't matter in this case. So let's get right to it. So 84, oops, first. Okay, so 84.3. dividend. This, I can already tell, is higher from the last time I evaluated. If I remember correctly, it was between 40 and $60 million market caps. So, okay, got all the tabs open here. 17.8%. So, five year average, 17.8% on average over the last five years, which I'm saying is what it is now, or at least in the trailing 12 month period. Share count. <clears throat> is lowered since 2010.
Excuse me. Oh, about nine percent. Nine percent rounded up. Book value per share seventeen cents. Two hundred and thirty-five percent. Excuse Right, I must have added one more to many numbers. So thirty-five point six, thirty-eight point two, plus thirty-one point nine, plus thirty-one point nine, plus thirty-one point eleven. That looks better. Thirty-nine point six. Spectacular margins here. 39.6. I look for anything consistently over 10%. So 46.1 can immediately tell that in the past because their ROE is higher than their ROIC that they used to have more debt than they do now so they've been either selling debt or just not renewing their debt um, after they pay it off
and short terms equivalent as, as a percentage of the balance sheet has fallen over time. AR and inventory have both risen over time in general. Short term debt 11.8 there, 0.22 here. Long term debt 7.7% and 0 here. So that's why you can tell, or that's how you can tell, <clears throat> or just with the ROE and the ROIC numbers, I automatically knew. But this is shows me kind of a real-world perspective of that those debt levels rising. Their debt as a percentage of balance sheet used to be about twenty percent. Now it is point two percent, which of course is fantastic for deep value investors like us. So. Alright, it's cash conversion cycle, 6%. That's not good. Pretty much everything on here is spectacular so far, except for this. And I'll get into that shortly. Before we do that, let's <coughs> calculate the EV. So, 84.3. Mm -hmm. Minus point seven. I'm not even going to add that in there because it's such a minuscule number. No minority interests, no preferred stock. <clears throat> so, 80.6 is their EV. 80.6. All right. Four million oil trailing twelve months period. And the free cash flow is point nine plus one point four. 
four, four, three equals three million. So I can already tell this is the problem I have every time I evaluate Amarillo Foods. It looks spectacular, but it's always overvalued. Every time I evaluate, I think I've evaluated this time five times. Every time I evaluate, it's overvalued. <clears throat> so let's figure out what these numbers are specifically. I can tell you right now they're higher than what I normally look for, which is below eight. Six point four. So twelve point six. Six and twenty-six point nine. So compared to its size, what this means is not only that it's overvalued, but also that for its size, it's not producing enough free cash flow and EBIT to keep up with its size. Um, at least on the stock market, meaning, again, this just further illustrates that compared to the company's size, its profitability does not support its current valuation. Again, meaning it's overvalued right now. On a relative basis, it's overvalued. And I can illustrate that by doing the EV, 6.4, or the um, earnings yield. So in the next year, if we were to buy this stock today, we should expect to earn 7.9% and 3.7% owning this stock over the next 12 months. That's not even close to what I require down here. I require typically 10% or above. The higher the better. These are well below what I require for a potential investment. Um, okay, this is from the other company that I evaluated. Okay, this is another problem. Everything is spectacular up here. I look for anything above 10% on a consistent basis here. Spectacular. Share count's fallen over time. Spectacular. Book value per share has risen over time. Great. ROIC is insane. I look for anything over 10% on a consistent basis. This is just in here to illustrate debt levels uh, compared to ROIC. This is great. I look for anything over 5% on a consistent basis. Then we get to here. Or these things down here. Already talked about the valuation. Which again, every time I've come across this company, every time I've researched this company, which I think is like five times now, it's been overvalued every single time. So, this is a problem though. What the cash conversion cycle is, is it measures how fast a company can turn cash into inventory, inventory into sales, and then sales into more cash. So they can buy more inventory and complete the, and do the cycle again. So what this measures is essentially their their operational efficiency is another way to put it. How well they are selling their products and their inventory to customers and how quickly they can turn that money into cash. Generally, you want to see actually pretty much 100% of the time. I can't think of a time where I've said it was good where 
the cash converter cycle was rising. You will almost, I, I guess, now I think about it, the only time is if you're pushing out, um, that's only one number even, talking to myself here. So what I was going to say was that the only time you want to see this kind of rising is if you see this, uh, where's that, tables, rise over time. Because then you're pushing your payments to your suppliers back. That could be a good thing and a bad thing. Could be a good thing because then you're keeping on your cash longer, but it's a bad thing because you could piss off your suppliers and they may not want to do business with you. That's not the case here. What's happening here is it's taking them longer to sell their, to make sales. It's risen since 2009 by 10 days on average for them to make, I don't, I don't know if this covers a sale or just as an average of all their sales. So their inventory is lowered. That's not the problem. This is the problem here. It's taking them longer to sell their products which could mean people don't want their products, um, their products are too overpriced, their, um, their distribution and marketing isn't doing a good enough job getting their uh, people to know their products. It could mean a ton of different things. None of them good. If, you, if it takes you longer to sell your products, it takes, you long, takes the company longer to get cash back. It also could mean that if inventory levels stay about the same, which I will check next, that they may have to write down inventory at some point, either a discounted inventory or just completely write it off the balance sheet, which would destroy balance sheet strength and balance sheet, balance sheet value. So none of this is good. So here comes something. <clears throat> Let's see. Annually. And this is how you can kind of compare this. These two right here should rise about the same. Rise or fall about the same in proportion to each other. So, oops. Uh, I don't know how to get rid of that. So. Okay, so receipt AR has risen in the last one, two, three, four, five, five years, about 1.2 million, give or take. Inventories have risen about 1.4 million, so they're about in proportion to each other. However, inventories are rising slightly faster than AR, which again illustrates that they are taking longer to sell their products. They may have to write down some of their products at some point because these, uh, I know this company again, they sell frozen and grocery style products. So these only have an indefinite shelf life. If they're not selling after a certain time period and they're getting expired, these go bad. You can't sell people expired food. So that longer sales cycle is part of the reason why this is higher in proportion to this to this number again not good they're they're close these numbers are close enough 
that it's not that big of a deal, but at least you can see the trend. This is slightly higher, and again, that's illustrated by back here at the cash convergence cycle with this. So the, the longer sales cycle is beginning to affect its inventory cycle, at least on the balance sheet. So again, if they have to write down products or they lose products or they have to discount products, none of that's good for the company. It leads to lower sales revenue, lower margins, um, lower balance sheet strength if they lose a percentage of this, of these. Balance sheet value will eventually go down if they have to write some of this off. But again, in this case, because they're a food, like grocery and frozen food retailer, inventory is one of their biggest expenses. So this is especially bad in my opinion for this kind of a company again typically typically um, frozen food and grocery style companies again there's an exp expiration date so food goes bad and if people aren't buying their products again their marketing's not doing a good enough job they're not putting enough money into marketing or playing out people just aren't liking their products they might be too overpriced they might not, might not like the taste whatever Again, this is the power of this one number right here. You can tell all these things. Again, I do specific training sessions with clients. I have released actually um, one of those training sessions about the cash conversion cycle on the blog where I go over everything in depth like I have here about the cash conversion cycle and why it's so important. Because literally with this one number, you can tell a ton of different five to ten different problems with a company or five to ten potential problems with a company where to look, where to find them, what it could mean. Um, so in this case, after having evaluated this company again, it's way too overvalued for me um, and the cash conversion cycle rising for a food grocery type company is not good that is yeah I mean that's probably to me that's one of the probably the most important margin for a for the kind of company this is on this entire sheet is this one right here normally in this case because this looks like a great investment on a preliminary basis from a margin perspective is I would put this on my watch list and again I've evaluated this company like five times now so I'm sure I'll come across it again but this number rising for a food grocer type and food distributor is horrendous because of their business model. Um, if they were any kind of company that produces hard assets, manufacturing, distributors like this, uh, food distributors like this, this is an ultra important number. And this rising that significantly, almost 35% in that time period, is not a good sign of people either liking the company's products or marketing not doing a good job of getting their products out there or the prices being too high or something again i'm not sure so but i do know because of the business model this is not good at all this combined with the massive overvaluation right now i would not inv uh, invest in this company myself 
um, even though the company is producing spectacular margins. Valuation, again, even if this was kind of, it, even if, let's say this, it was about fairly valued right now or undervalued. I would put it on my watch list and watch it. If it got under a certain point, then I would get super interested. But because of this number, I would need a bigger margin of safety um, than I normally would require from an investment. So having said that, Keith L., I hope you enjoyed this uh, case study. If you did, or please let me know in the comments below. If, you, if I miss anything, please let me know in the comments below. Um, if anybody else like this, let me know in the comments below or send me your own uh, company you want me to take a look at. I'm doing the next one on, I believe it's Bed Bath & Beyond um, from Tomas. Requested that one. So until then, I will see you guys next time.